Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program, Flame On, is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I'm Brian, and we're here in 2017. Yay! We're not in 2016. Yay! Even better, right? Time is an abstract concept created by carbon debased life forms to document their ongoing decay. I feel like you should say buy gold, buy gold, buy gold after that, <laughs> but I don't think that's what you were quoting. No, it was from the Brack Show. Uh, oh. His neighbor, the Thunder uh, Thundercles. God, I haven't seen the Brack Show in so long. All right, that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about Rogue One, and of course you heard BJ, he is over there in the corner. I am. In the spotlight, losing what's left of religion, I don't know. My dad's a preacher. That's right. You know, do you remember the- You're the the son of a preacher, man? I am. So, uh, well, I'll come back to that. Eric, of course, special guest, he's been on many times, you know him well, Eric. Hooray, it's me, My My fellow media mess cohort from way back in the day and jared's over there looking at me regrettably oh what you're not happy to be here you're happy to be here yes i'm happy to be here i I believe you totally believe you pat is recovering from his new year's eve festivities uh we had a lot of fun last night with drag queens and craziness so he is uh recovering but i am running the show here um i did um oh god the luke cage episode and so if you if you've never heard our show before we are a geeky podcast Probably should put that out there. Well, we're going to be talking about Rogue One principally, but we do tend to take little diversions every now and again. So, you know, stay with us. Uh, the uh, Luke Cage review show that we did several episodes previous in the feed. If you go back and you, you watch, you like the Luke Cage, the Netflix Wasn't series. It was like two or three or four. Two? It was, it, you know, surprisingly not that long ago. And here's what's funny about that. I don't remember recording it at all. <laughs> so on the drive for Christmas, I actually listened to it and went, wow, I was drunk. Yeah. I was really drunk. I think and all of us were pretty sure. Well, shockered. some were worse than others, myself mm. included. And I was slightly embarrassed at how drunk I got on that show. That was the episode I sent to my mom, too. Oh, good. Well, yeah. someday if I ever meet your mother, that'll be really fun. Oh, so funny little t- tidbit with um, my mom. She was in town for work, and we're riding around, and I was like, Hey, Gail, do you want to play a prank? And she, and she was like, No. What are we doing? And so we went by our local comic store, and she walked in, and Oral was working, and uh, she asked for the comic D's, and he's like, D's? And she was like, yes, D-E-E-Z. And he's like, D's? And then I burst through the door and said, D's nuts. Oh, wow. Um, And I wish I had gotten a picture to put on the the Facebook page, because Uh it took him a solid two minutes to realize that it was my mother, uh-huh. and then that I had just played this terrible prank on him. Yeah, and he was very, <laughs> he was very oral about it. Oh God, it lots great. of high pitch shrieking. So uh, <laughs> Oral is not here this week, of course. He's also in the midst of an adventure, so uh, he'll be back next time when we do our full cast. I'm sure of it. By then, he'll have done his adventure. 
It's yeah. I think it's Benny, yeah. But he was he's moving. That's all. Yeah. I'm I'm dressing it up a bit for radio here. I'm oh. not it's nothing that exciting. But it's a new year, people <laughs> are moving, people are doing craziness. All right, so Rogue One. This isn't what we're here to talk about. Spoilers, just so if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this other than just hey to check out Flame On, in which case welcome, but um you might want to stop. Go check out the movie and come back and listen. So this is the Star Wars standalone film that the first of, we think, many uh, that Lucasfilms, now that it's owned by Disney, put out. And I believe this idea came from an ILM. ILM, right? That's it. Yeah. The effects, uh, of course, famous effects house that's done a lot of Star Wars and other sci-fi great movies. Um, one of their artists, uh, one of their higher-ups had an idea. Let's do a movie about stealing the Death Star plans. And if you actually go watch... Uh, I'll try to remember to come back to that. Uh, the sequel, quote unquote, to Rogue One, which would be a S- Star Wars, the first Star Wars, sometimes a called New Hope. sometimes called a New Hope. Episode four. Usually, all episode four is true and accurate. Uh, I don't like calling it a New Hope because it was never called that, other than in the, the scroll. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, if you go watch the scroll, it talks about a battle. A, a very, you know, rousing battle to steal the Death Star plans by the Rebellion and this first great victory against the Empire. And so that's basically what this movie leads up to. And so they made it. It uh, was produced by Disney Lucasfilms, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, who did Godzilla, the American Godzilla movie from a couple years ago with Brian Cranston and yep. other people. I don't know. I never saw it. Um, with lots of awesome people, and we're going to talk all about that. Um what did you guys think? Well, so I actually to jump jump back just a little bit. Sure. They um, they did confirm they are doing it, they have confirmed they're doing two more anthology films. Okay. Um, the third one was kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to see how this one did, but it's definitely on the books now. So they have the Han Solo prequel film, right? Which they have been announcing casting for and all that. Yeah. yeah, and then they they have confirmed that they are doing a Boba Fett prequel film. Of course, because so. action figures. Yeah. Right. No, no, merchandise. I mean, yeah, merchant merchandising. We just watched Spaceballs the other day. That's where <laughs> um, the real money of the movies is made. Exactly. Oh my god. So if you've been out shopping recently for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice, Festivus, is there shopping for Festivus? I don't know if that's a thing. Mm. You buy people a pole. Ugly sweaters. And and air grievances. I don't know. Anyway, if you go to shop for toys, because like I go to a Target, I may go to the Lego section at least. Eric, you know this. Mm-hmm. You've been there. So there's a lot of Rogue One toys, not just in the Lego section, but in all the sections. And so, yes, not unlike any other Star Wars film, there's tons of awesome action figures, toys, spaceships, um, droids, droids, weapons. In fact, uh, K2SO, I believe. Yes. Best uh, character in the movie. <laughs> Bless you. So K2SO, um, fan Voice, favorite. Yep. Voiced by Alan Tudyk. Yep. Of many, many great, awesome sci-fi properties. Not the least, including uh, Firefly, where, like his droid character, he also flew the ship, which was kind of fun. He was also in Moana. He was? He was the chicken. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? No, he was Hey Hey. No, what he a was he weird. Was, he was Hey Hey, and originally they were talking about Hey Hey actually talking. Oh my gosh. But the, the writers were like, no, that's stupid. Why would we do that? So, I prefer him just screaming. Yeah, just the constant scream, but that was Alan. That Alan is so also. funny. That is bizarre. Uh, and we did review. Did we review Moana? No, we no, haven't reviewed. Moana we have yet. not. Oh uh, well, Moana. we'll do that in our next full cast. Um, so yeah, uh, lots of toys, lots of great excitement. So did you enjoy it? I guess let's get back to that. Let's start there, and then we'll go from there. Yes. Okay. Um, I liked it because the thing about all the previous, pretty much all the Star Wars films, is that you're just kind of following the Skywalker family yes. and their drama. Um. Which is it's good. It's entertainment. It's I I like the the story behind the family and everything, but the idea that this is actually a war, we have I I never really felt like I felt like it was a war, but at the same time I'm just like well I'm just following these like six people, I'm not really following like the random bystander that obviously just got shot. You know that person has a family. This movie kind of exp- expanded that for me and and it does expand it a bit in the animated series if you watch those the uh, clone wars and and rebels Rebels. um so it expands there but you don't really get a sense of like this is war until i I think until this movie this movie like really hammers that fact home war 
that it is in fact huh? a war. What, what is, is it, it good, good for? for? Thank uh, you. Okay. Absolutely nothing. All right. Anyway, no. sorry. So, uh, <laughs> so you liked it overall? Yes, okay. I, enjoy, I enjoyed Eric, it. Eric, what do you think? Uh, it was fantastic. You, just like BJ said, you get a grander scope of the universe itself, which is good because when Disney bought Star Wars, they kind of said, "Nope, a lot of the extended universe is no more yep. canon." Killed it. Yep. Yep. And so this is rebuilding of the extended universe, which I like. I also. Uh, 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 share that sentiment and one of the specific things they did is they reintroduced in Rebels and then in Rogue One the Hammerhead Cruiser. Yes. This is a thing from the Old Republic. Way back. If you've never heard Flame On, we've talked about the Old Republic many times over the years that I've played it and before also uh, Joshua Yale who used to be on our show, uh, we used to play that a lot and that was a big staple of the CG scenes you'd see in the in the game. So, Hammerhead Cruiser, big EU ship that was brought forward, and a lot of other things in Rebels, I believe, is also pulled from the uh, extended universe in the past. I don't know about the future. Actually, I think Thrawn, actually, yeah, maybe, which is also an EU thing that sort of possibly took place in the EU between uh, or at the end of Jedi going forward. So, uh, Jared. Did you see it? I think I did. Oh my I god, I did see it. Oh, yes. that's so great. I thought you might have, but anyway. Yeah. So tell me what you thought. I, I liked Band of Brothers in space. It was a really <laughs> good film. <laughs> that's. I mean, it, it it's a war movie. It's yeah. a, a a comrade at arms movie. They were not discreet about it in the slightest towards the uh, the, the end of the film where they're storming the the, the beach, beach and then all mm -hmm. the rebel soldiers are wearing those uh, very familiar. Uh, you know, the hats hats yeah. yeah and sand is flying and yeah not bullets but laser blasts and explosions yeah. that are taking down our our heroes so i mean the big spoiler for all of this and what's funny is the president of lucasfilm pretty much spoiled this in some way shape or form when they're like oh are you gonna are you gonna possibly make a sequel to rogue one and she's like no there's no sequel so i mean you can take that from many things a i guess the sequel would be the next star wars or you know a new hope chapter four whatever but um, basically, yeah, they, they in, in, in the current form of the movie, they kill off pretty much everybody you yeah. get introduced to um, in they, the main they cast. Res they resurrected two dead actors, too. Oh, let's uh, hold on. We'll, hold, we'll get to that, because I feel like that <laughs> falls into the column of what may we, maybe we didn't like as much. Yeah. So I love the movie. I actually sat there thinking about this and talking about this with some coworkers, I think. And I do feel strongly that it accomplished a lot in setting up a good Star Wars story outside of the main continuity of the Skywalker family. Yeah, yeah. It's not outside continuity, but it's outside their main storyline. But touching on lots and lots of the other things that we've seen in the prequels and also in A New Hope. Yeah, and actually, um, something that really resonated with me is the fact that l like the whole, the whole idea of, of Empire Middle Management... And, and how and the ineffective and ridiculous yeah, well, it is. Well, yeah, like, oh, hey, I thought this was a piece of shit. I'm going to co-op this now. And and the whole idea that um, um, I'm forgetting the character. Tarkin. Name. Tarkin. Yeah, this was your idea while it was bad. But now that it's good, it's my idea. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that whole thing. And then the fact that that was a beta test. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 we're not done yet. To be specific, we're talking about blowing up. Uh, the Jeddah city or whatever yeah. that main city settlement on Jeddah. Yeah, not the whole planet, but basically I like mean, it a effectively good a good hemisphere took out a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good hemisphere was was destroyed, and that was the original weapons test for the Death Star. I will say, as an effect, that was really cool. Yeah, I did not expect it to be quite so. Uh, a bomb times a million, like just ridiculous. Like how the the planet folding in on itself. Right, that was that was very arresting and sort of impressive. Even more so, I would say, than blowing up Alderaan. And uh, did it blow up anything else? No, just Alderaan. Um, but yeah, like that scene with the or what? Oh no, you know, I'm thinking of the blowing up of the Death Star itself. I guess they didn't actually show it blowing up Alderaan proper, right? Was that in yeah. one of the edits? Was that in there? Yeah, they showed it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that wasn't very impressive because it was done earlier on. Even when they revisit it with the special editions, it didn't. You didn't get that feeling of a planet really dest destroying, being yeah. being destroyed. But with this, with with the Jedha uh, attack, and then later with the Scarif, I think uh, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Seeing that thing, like more impressive, I would say, more visceral in their destructive capabilities. Uh, so the sh uh, the movie, uh, as Jared mentioned, is a war movie. It's very dark. In fact, did you guys feel like it was like 
I mentioned this to Eric because we saw it with Pat. It was really a dark, like visually, like not tonally over that too. Oh yeah, visually really dark, muted palette. Yeah, I think until beginning. you got it, until you got to Scarif where it was bright and beachy. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, I also felt like the movie. Well, uh, so sticking to the good things, uh, accomplished a lot. Introduces to this Jen Ar- Ar- Urso and her family, uh, who played kind of a pivotal role in all this. Um, we got to see the Rebel Alliance. It was really cool. I always like seeing Mon Mothma, even if it's not the original actress, what have you. Uh, but but seeing kind of the early days of the Alliance and how or the rebellion and seeing how it kind of was very politically sh- like well, sta- like like they weren't all in agreement that we should go rebel. No, and it wasn't. And it wasn't even. It and it wasn't at that point. It was it was barely an alliance. Mm-hmm. It was more or less. You have rebels and they are courting the Republic and they're 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 trying to start an alliance. Right. And then the moment they're like, oh hey, there's this weapon that can pretty much destroy cities and we're pretty sure it can destroy planets. And they're like. We out. Like yeah. we're sorry, we're packing up, yeah. going home. We're, we'll just live in fear and let the empire do whatever they want because the alternative is awful. Yeah, exactly. So it established that, which is really great. Um, I will say the third half, a third half, the third, <laughs> third of the movie, the last third. I was amazed. I I thoroughly enjoyed when they got Ascara from there mm-hmm. to the end. That entire. As much as I'll get to maybe in a little bit the problems I had with the other stuff in the beginning, that sold it for me if i did not if it didn't end that strongly i would probably not have enjoyed it as much but that ending with all the space battles and just the the sort of the caper or heist of getting the death star plans and 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 the epic confrontation with everybody involved on the beaches like it it really brought the movie home well uh i think uh I, i would say more so even than force awakens which i still like but the end of force awakens wasn't my favorite not just because bad things happen because bad things happen here, but I feel like that last third, it accomplished something as a Star Wars film that I don't think Force Awakens quite did as much to me. But overall, you know, this and that, it's kind of apples and oranges. Well, and that's and that's so that's the part of so there so there's I had a, I had a conversation with some coworkers and they were just kind of like, yeah, we really like the movie, but like something about the Death Star. Blah blah blah, Death Star, and I, and then they were like, "Oh, well, it's just the same as thing as Force Awakens, where they just have a bigger Death Star." And I'm like, "The thing that I love the most is that uh, Governor, uh, Governor Tarkin, he was like, this is the back to the whole Beta thing. Star Killer Base is essentially the finished version of the Death Star. Like he had more plans than just the Death Star. He was like." Okay, yeah, this is cool, but think about what else we can make. And there, he kept saying that through the whole movie, and that kind of you can imagine like you have an idea for something at work, you you put it down there. Somebody's like, "Nah, it's good enough as it is," and then like years later, somebody picks it up and goes, "Oh no, wait, I see what they were trying to do here," and, and then builds on it and exactly, makes it better. And does that stuff. whole idea of middle management, kind of like somebody has a really good idea, but then somebody else is like, "Meh, yeah, you're full of crap." Oh, uh. So, so I it, it kind of touches on that a little bit with the fact that like, you know, Star Killer Base is the fi- is the actual culmination of this technology mm-hmm. in, in in its final form. Yeah. So Although it's interesting, and in, in, and this is really deep in the weeds. I'm warning you now, if you're at all squeamish of nerdy, intricate detail stuff, that you may not skip ahead. Uh, so Death Star was powered by the Jedi lightsaber crystals. Whereas the Kyber crystals, I'm sorry. Whereas the Star Killer base, from what I gathered, because I haven't read the novelization, was powered by a sun. Yes. Yes. So it, it very much the idea of, oh, well, sure, let's blow up a planet. Oh, oh, sure, let's blow up a bunch of planets in Force Awakens. You know, uh, they they do feel like they're pulling from very different like, types of technologies. So, but but that same idea, like you said, oh, I never thought we could even blow up a planet. Oh, I never thought we could blow up multiple planets that aren't even in our star system. Like, there's that progression, like you said. Yeah. So. All right, so I think overall we liked it. I'm sure there's issues. I know I have issues. So let's go around and just maybe pick one thing that each of us maybe didn't think was amazing or had some issues with. Uh, I want to start back with Jared because okay. he made a face. Vader. Okay, how so? I liked his uh, his cameo. That okay. was that was cool. I, I liked that, but I didn't like how they wrote him for like those two seconds that he so, was on screen. So, are you talking about 
choking on your ambitions. Oh my god. Vader was not sassy. So it's funny. Sassy Vader. Because I've heard a few podcasts talk about this and I thought the same thing. I hated that. I hated that. Yeah. But actually, you go back to some of the movies and there there was this sort of dark humor that was there. It was really dry. Yeah. But it wasn't that was too on the nose. Yes. And Maybe some of the comics have done a little bit more with that. I know um, Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader mm-hmm. comic. Mm-hmm. He does sort of some sassy moments. He has sassy moments because yeah. Kieran Gillen's a sassy British guy. Come on. But, like, yes, that was too on the nose. And I am shocked. And I heard somebody else say this. I think it was Josh and I fanboy. He's like, I am shocked that that line made it through to the final movie. It just felt way too out of character yeah yeah well now, he was new to dad jokes he was at that so point well, no. <laughs> he hadn't practiced them well this enough. was no because this is right before the new uh, for episode four like he had been killing jedi he had been leading the stormtroopers for a while like he should have gotten his humor workshopped a long time before that i think uh okay so my thing with vader which is a little mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. is as much as i love hearing james earl jones he's great yes. i love his voice he's, yes. he's darth vader uh although in the costume was not andrew prowse uh, they had actually a new internal new uh, taller guy. Yeah, new, yeah, new tall guy. Um, oh, was, actually, was Prowse, Prowse didn't pass away, did he? Crap. I think pa- I think Prowse may have passed away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll look it up. Um, my minions. Um, so yeah, it was that he sounded noticeably older. I mean, James Earl Jones is what he's in his eighties. You know, I mean, he's up uh, there, and yeah. I feel like he sounded winded slash a little bit noticeably older. That's what are you going to do? Would you rather have the original voice who sounds a little older or would you have somebody new who may get it close but not quite? Mm-hmm. It's the uncanny vocal yeah. actor sort of thing, or voice actor. Um, I don't know. I don't know wh- which one works better, but um, certainly that cameo in the castle on Mustafar, which mm-hmm. um, another show I was on, Comic Bears, we were talking about that. A lot of the planets they marked as, oh, this planet, oh, that planet. Supposedly... According to Steve on Comic Bears, uh, who's also been on the show, they didn't mention it was Mustafar, and they people just kind of figured it out. I'm like, I thought they said it was Mustafar. Do you guys remember? If they I don't actually... remember a name tag for Mustafar. Yes, yeah. See, but all the other planets had name tags, right? Yeah. In the bottom. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure. Thing. So anyway, long story short, if you know your Star Wars lore, that is the planet where Darth Vader uh, got turned into Vader because he got chopped up by uh, lava and Obi-Wan. Um. By the way, that's uh, Spencer uh, Wilding. Thank you. Wilding. Okay. So possibly the new uh, If Vader Comes Back kind of uh, stand-in actor. But um, So that first scene on his, that castle actually goes back a long ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie designed that or did an early draft of the castle. Ralph McQuarrie, of course, digital artist, uh, many, many different influences. But he influenced and he designed a lot of the Star Wars stuff way back, the original Star Wars. And they just for years have never had a like a place to put that castle. Like there's no story reason to have you go there. So finally now this movie does that, which is kind of a cool little Easter egg thing. The um, other scene, of course, that Vader was in, which is the end kind of t- towards the end where he comes in the the rebel the rebellion flagship or imperial or not imperial the rebellion flagship. Yeah, and like like. Just goes force crazy. Oh, just ham hocks everybody. Oh my god! And I ham. I enjoyed that. That, that was, was like yeah. okay, yeah. He's because this movie does not have Jedi proper in it at all. No, no. You have the Force in certain roles. You have people who are sensitive or worship the Force or whatever. So the Force is there. You have that feeling of the Force as part of their culture, but you don't have Jedi. You have Darth Vader, and the only time he whips out his lightsaber is that last scene, and it's impressive. It is. They, they did a good job. They say it was very sparing in it because some yeah. people complain the prequels were a little too crazy with the Force and the Jedi and the, the Kung Fu, though there was Kung Fu in this film, which is cool. We'll talk about it. All right. So, yes, my problem was similar. I think uh, the writing was awful. Well, that one thing was bad. And then I think it sounded old. Um, what about you, Eric? What do you think? I think the, the thing that took me out of the movie with the most was the first time I saw uh, Tarkin, okay. just the CG I understood why they still included him in the movie. Well, and you know, the Peter Cushing line. is dead. Yes, I yeah. I understand <laughs> that. And ev- even if he was still alive, I don't think they would have been able to make up him Yeesh. down. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. To where he would look similar. Yeah. Um, so I understood the purpose of it, and I understood why they wrote a part for him. It seemed 
useful to have him there. I don't know if you could have done a movie about the Death Star without Tarkin in some way. Yeah. Like, he had to be there somehow. I think what surprised me is that he was there a lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Like, for a CG character, I I think maybe of the movies that have had... And I say CG character. I mean a CG human. Mm -hmm. Because we've had... I mean, K2SO was a CG character. Did not bother me in the slightest. It makes me think of Tron. I was just thinking that, too. Am I to build the perfect system? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually talked about this at work, too, because Tron Legacy is a big uh, favorite of mine, and the Tron thing is, is we talk about it a lot. And they did a similar thing with a de-aged Jeff Bridges character for certain characters in the movie. And, yeah, there's times where you're like, whoa, no, that doesn't look good. They've gotten better. I just think – you know, did anybody else notice this? Like, overall, like you started – you saw uh, – what's his name? Tarkin for the first time. He, he looked terrible, and you're like, no. But then overall, as he keeps coming back, it sort of grew on you. And you, by the end, by the last time you saw him, it kind of just. Well, I, I think the it first was, time, went it, with it. the first time, it was a shock to right. see. Okay, right. That this is happening, and this is what he's going to look like. So then you just kind of. Well, it's not as much of a shock. It's just like figure. a rule set that you set for a movie or a game, where it's like, okay, this is here. Now you have to accept it. Yeah. So your brain <laughs> sort of allows that to be less of a distraction. It was kind of the opposite for me. Like really? I, I almost didn't notice it, and then like. He's the way he said something. I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. like See? it just. It, and then I, and then every time they sh- they did like a direct shot of his face, I there was that he would just the way he would say certain things. I would be like, See, the cheeks don't move like that. I, and what's weird is none of that bothered me. It was something about his just general the way he moved. It wasn't his mouth, but it was the way he moved. And then John Duvall. Um, of Nerdy Show, uh, if, you, if you're if you're all listening to the Nerdy Show Network, you know John. Um, he uh, he mentioned something on Facebook about the texture or lack thereof on his on his outfit and how they just he's shocked that they didn't give him more of a textured look. So that was also kind of surprising. I'm shocked they didn't use a body double and then just they CG the face. CG the face. That's and, that's and you know what's what funny I was is they. It, you're right. It didn't look like it looked like it was completely CG, but you would think they would have done that. So I don't know. So that's weird, and that's sort of the uncanny valley problem with visuals that is the original uncanny valley problem uh and if you don't know what the uncanny valley is feel free to go look it up it's it's very very infamous it's uncanny it's uncanny uh so eric that's what you didn't like yeah so uh, extending to that or through that idea did the princess leia uh stand in whatever did that bother you not as much See, it didn't bother me as much either same here because I, one i think they actually did use a body double with her and they, they might have and they just did the because fi- she had the hood on right? That was just for like two seconds. Yeah, and it, well, was, and it was yeah. so and it quick, was, and it was so quick. I think that was that. Uh, like I was completely fine with like a quick nod, and like because we know we know where the plans are going, right? You know, at that point, you know, we were just wondering if we would actually get to see. Although, let's talk about strategy here. Why would you ever include a diplomatic uh, detachment with Princess Leia in a space battle? just in case they can get the plans and then she's going to get the like, it was a very odd like i understand why they had to do it because mm-hmm. if you think about how episode four opens they're on the run with the plans yeah the only reason they'd be on the run with the plans is if they didn't already get the plans back to the home base so you can't just have a ship take the plans back to the rebellion that would short circuit the whole episode four yeah, right. So because the empire was still looking for the exactly. rebellion but at the same time you're sitting there thinking wait a minute why would you take this ship in this thing into battle? Like, why would you? Why? That doesn't make any sense. It, it's sort of a, an odd, like, plot uh, twist or not plot. Well, plot twist, I guess. But a, sort of an odd positioning to make it line up with episode four, I thought. But uh, it didn't uh, I don't, me I don't know if that ship went with the main fleet when they first went to Scarif. Okay. Because the R2 and C3PO cameo, right. they're talking about. They're saying everyone's going. Everyone else is going to Scarif, so it didn't make it sound like they were themselves. See, I thought going I remember them saying something yeah. like, "Oh, well, now we're going to Scarif." No one tells me these things. Like it was a very like I know what you're saying. Like it could have been like, "Oh, people are leaving. They didn't tell us." But I think it was more of a, "Oh, they're sending us all to Scarif for some reason now for whatever." But anyway, so, so in yeah, that way of thinking, maybe. I'm thinking, she "Okay, okay, yeah." Once they knew they were actually. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. ...going to be beaming the plans. They were going to get the plans. They right. knew they were going to get the plans. Then they would have had Leia's ship come yeah. and pick up the plans. I mean, Jimmy Smith, who's Leia's, uh, Bail Organa, Leia's adopted father, uh, like he even says, oh, I, I would trust her with my life or whatever. It makes that reference to Princess Leia and being involved. So, I mean... They kind of set it up sort of laboriously with the plot and the dialogue, but that kind of bothered me a little bit. But again, thinking back, it's like, how else would you do that? Yeah, they have to be on the run with the plans. And I do love that whole sort of almost like a baton race at the end where he's like, just yeah, slashing through all these poor rebellion characters and that classic <laughs> bizarre helmet thing they have. And they're and really trying. He's really trying to get out of that hallway. And I they're just pulling the, the door. I mean, he's like, it was brutal. Me out of here. And they're like, we can't get you out. And yeah. he's like. All right, take them, take them, and then yeah. All right, so BJ, what didn't you like? Um, actually, I kind of felt like I felt like I think around the second act they were trying to develop certain characters more, and I felt like it was kind of too late. Okay, like who? Um, like uh, what is it? Uh, Kassan. Um. Was it uh, Diego Luna's character? Uh, the oh, uh, yeah, Cassian, Cassian, Cassian. Yeah, um, like I, I, like where we met him. Oh, I'm like, okay, he's he's the guy that does the dirty work for the the rebels. Right. Okay, I, I got that. And then they kind of tried to. I felt like if you just stayed with his with just his inner like, I've killed this guy, but I don't want to be, but betray any more people. Right. You know, you, the, you didn't like that they tried to redeem him by the end. Like, yeah, I felt like the whole redemption thing, like you didn't really need to give us any of his redemption stuff. Like you really didn't have to. Yeah. Um. So you think he should have just shot Mads? No, I th- I think like they should have just had they should have that like he didn't get a chance to. Like, oh, he okay. actually didn't get a chance to like he didn't stop himself. And then the whole idea. That's like, true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like they, they really didn't need to do that with him. Because really, the only the only time you the only time they had the only characters they had enough time to really develop was Jen, a uh, little bit of her father, and that was really it. I mean, like the whole thing with Jen just well, tr- being like, I don't want anything to do with this. Wait, I do. Wait, like her inner turmoil was actually something I was interested in. So Felicity Jones, uh, who what else has she done? I feel um, like that. I, I meant to look this up, and you know, we'll, we'll, again, minions have fun. Uh, like she did not sell me on this character at all, and I don't know if she is known for a lot of stuff that she's like a fan favorite or like I, I don't know. It was weird. Like uh, Ray in Force Awakens absolutely sold me. Loved her. Totally fits in the universe. I love it. Jin, I just I mean I, I got that she was sort of she had a crazy childhood because of the running around with the the empire and, and she's kind of being on she's the kind of an, like and she's barely an anti-hero like she's almost yeah. I would I would barely reluctant call her a hero heel, to be sure yeah but I, the turn for her also I was kind of like oh and and saw Guerrera who 
uh, by Forrest Whitaker, I thought was like not really that great of a. Uh, that was a weird character too. And well, I think they're bringing arc. him to Rebels to well, kind they of are, expand like a prequel, his story. Though, yeah. yeah, but I, okay, I'm, I'm excited at the fact that I, for the first time, I actually got the perfect amount of Forrest Whitaker. Oh yeah, because depending on how you cast him and how you write for him, uh-huh. it, he can be he can be like visionary or just kind of there. Did you see him in Ascension? Yeah, is it Ascension? Oh, no, that's not right. Arrival. 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 Okay, word. Uh, yeah, yeah, where his accent comes and goes. Um, I I don't know. He he. Yeah, I agree. He's one of those actors you you got to really be careful how you use him. And I just felt like he was wasted and bizarre, and I, I didn't like that. Although I will say I did really enjoy Jedi as a as a as a whole because it talked to so 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 we have this whole political thing going on right now where people are all crazy and think that this film was meant to be an anti-Trump film and was meant to be a you know this and that and all the alt right are freaking out whatever. If They're the idiots, shoe fits, it, it, no no no, but it was never intended for that. It's intended to address. Uh, several things that sort of like could could fit the archetype, you know what I mean? The the fact that you're rebelling against this established thing, I could see conservatives reading into that, you know, mm. rebelling against the. They see what they want to see. They see what they want to see, but I mean, one of the things that I can see absolutely clearly, and Dune did this a lot too, is anytime you have a sand world and you have battles, guess what? People are going to draw a link to the Middle East because there's sand there, a lot of sand there, not the only place, but there's a lot. And people were wearing the sort of the burqa-like outfits, and they're mm-hmm. covering their face, and they they have the whole sort of like not jihadist, but certainly the sort of fighting a rebellion in this city. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I can see people making those connections, but again, that's a real thing that happens. There's no, I don't think, agenda there other than just showing that yeah. and sort of making those the idea that to some terrorists or to some groups they think of themselves as freedom fighters because they are trying to liberate some people from this sense of a of an empire mm. um so, i don't know that that i liked that i guess i should say I, I talked about all that but i liked that they made that that was there that that felt very relevant to like you know today so felicity jones uh was in the amazing spider-man 2 as felicia um, Not felicia she was in inferno uh, she's gonna be in inferno um, she hasn't done a lot and she's in a monster calls oh that's She's cool. the mom. Um, oh, wow. The Theory of Us, or no, Theory of Everything, sorry. Oh, uh, okay, that's where I think, um, yeah, 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 the... Um, she's she's Stephen really Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, yeah, she's relatively new. Um, okay. I'm well, she's, she's pretty young, so I mean, that meant surprise me. I guess I just, I don't know if I felt like she really sold me on it. Now, Mads uh, Mickelson, who, you know, those of us who listen to a while, you know we love Hannibal. Yep. And... Mads is a great actor, but I've said this before. I think he's wasted in a lot of these films. Excuse me. I don't think he really gets to do what at least I loved him doing, which is being this sort of suave, uh, intelligent um, predator. And a lot of these films, even like Doctor Strange, he's a bad guy, but he's sort of this kind of mute, underscored bad guy amidst everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. And in this film, he was sort of a, not mute, but he was definitely a very humble engineer guy who just was trying to keep as much trying to mitigate the damage he knew he was doing yeah. so from a character perspective that's really cool um but just from an acting perspective i don't know i didn't love it um but i mean you kind of got him for like out of every uh, that opening sequence out of everybody in that opening sequence i'm like you know how this is gonna go down right you know your wife is probably gonna be killed and you know you're probably never going to see your daughter again. So just like from the get-go, he is like broken father. Right. Like, they're, 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 and their sad reunion. I actually really like the sad reunion part. That, that yeah. just kind of upped the emotional it states in a, re- in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, nobody wins in a war. Um, and he worked for the Empire. So Yeah, he was a forced collaborator collaborator and he, I mean, he, he's heroic in the film he tried to protect his family he tried to protect his co-workers in that one scene mm-hmm. with his, you know who's gonna who's the one who leaked it oh we're gonna kill everybody no wait no it's me yeah oh you're gonna kill everybody anyway i mean shocker right yeah um the other supporting uh, characters so so a lot of them i felt like weren't the best casting or i just didn't really love the performance uh the two that i loved i'm gonna screw their names up donnie yen donnie yen's character whose name i still never get right and uh win yang 
those two, they're members of the Guardians of the Wills, which is another old Lucasfilm or Star Wars lore kind of staple from way back. Uh, Donnie Wynn's character, Force sensitive, like worships Force, isn't a Jedi. Yeah. So did he just was he just a member of the guard at the Jedi Palace? The Guardian, the Guardian of the Temple? Wills are a sort of so they're like an extra Jedi. They're not Jedi, but they're sort of related to them in that they believe in the Force. They try to guard things that are important to the Force or have some Force implications. So they were. So they're the Swiss Guard. Yeah, I think kind of maybe a little bit like, but there's no there's no Force Pope. So I mean I don't know. I it's mean technically Palpatine at this point would be well, the Force Pope. <laughs> but I mean so so there there's there's this interesting group that there isn't been a lot about, but every now and again they pop up. And what I loved about Donnie's character is I mean he did this awesome. He's blind, and he did this really impressive sort of Force sensitive, Daredevil esque, uh, but more martial arts uh, fight sequence. And Donnie Yen, if you know your Chinese uh, martial arts films, is from a, lo- a family of martial artists. But he himself is very accomplished and has done some really awesome fight choreography and acting. So and he he ma- he made up most of the he made up most of the fight choreography for this movie. Like they based pretty on much this character. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty much like he, he was like, no, he wouldn't move like this. He'd move like this, and yeah. it was yeah. I I saw an interview with him, and he was very. I loved I, that. I really scene. like him. I wished that he could have done more with it. But I, it's kind of almost one of those things where maybe that's a good thing that they didn't go too far down that path. Um, but yeah, I loved him. I loved his buddy. I'm going to say his buddy because even though many online are speculating that he and uh, Blaze, is that, is that right? Ba- Baze? Uh, Baze. Baze. Baze Malbus. Uh, they seem to be close at the end, certainly. <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of those things that you can read into whatever you want. And yeah. I'm not going to say you're wrong because there is no right answer. But I can also totally make the case, you know, that they're not in love as much yeah. as they're, they're brothers at arms. They're yes, really there are different types of love. Correct. There's exactly. no romantic love. Right. And they never, you know, but it was certainly um, the closest of friends and yes. allies. Heterosexual and life mates. Yes. Bro- they're bros. They're best bros. Broses. Yes. They're best bros. But again, I'm, King I'm the fine with people who want to read in what they want mm-hmm. because we're so hungry for representation, sci-fi, and media that, we're, that we like. I'm reading that, into it. Yeah, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I think Gareth Edwards even said, like, look, if you want to read into that, it's great. I have no problem with that. But it's ambiguous for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and the reason is not just to not have overtly gay characters. It's to have this relationship that you just don't know enough about. So anyway, that was really touching, and, and no matter what it was, it was real. Still, very probably one of the most emotionally touching things of the movie nope. to me. No, nope. I thought so. No, K two S O dying. That, okay, so yeah. we mentioned him. That, Talk about what you loved about K two S O. Um, just well, he's he's a tactician droid, so like probability statistics. Him constantly telling them like, uh, you know, you know, the you want to know the probability of us dying right now, and they're just like, no, no. And I love I love how um. He pretty. It almost seems like he just hates everyone. Well, it's weird because he's an imperial tactical droid who's been reprogrammed to work for the rebellion. Yeah, and because of his reprogramming, it's sort of affected his personality. Sassy gay robot, and he's a sassy gay robot. Well, and also like he sassier than Anthony Daniels C three PO at total. I mean, like actually, he's he's what I want C three PO to be. Exactly, fish please. Yeah, he's yeah. But at the same, so you think about that. He's a tactical droid that does survival calculations that has been repurposed for a rebel group. Whose survival calculations are probably low, so he's probably like, "We fuck." So I'm definitely going to die. So I mean, concept of death to a, to a droid. And but he wants a blaster. No one will give him a <laughs> blaster until Jen gives him a blaster, and there's a touching moment and all that. Stuff. And well, I love the fact that he doesn't even really use it at first. He just kind of hits somebody with it and then throws him out of a room, and, and then finally he starts using it. Yeah. But like, I don't. I don't know. I guess like I see characters like that when they when they are doing something that is kind of, you know, he's programmed to do this thing. And even at the worst possible moment, he stops doing the whole like, oh, you do realize like I'm probably going to like he doesn't talk about himself right at all. He talks about their survival throughout the whole movie mostly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, he kind of saw this coming. So he's not going to. He's going to do what he was asked to do, and so I, I really liked him. I no, really I, I think he was a great character. I think uh, Alan Tudyk was fantastic in that role, and 
overall, I'm really pleased they put that in there. And he's like the one toy I would really probably buy. The rest of the characters, that'd be cool, fine. But there's like a Lego uh, K2SO that's like, I'm, I'm making a very important audio uh, hand gesture here. <laughs> uh, but let's say about I don't 12, know, inches? 12 inches using um, dildo measurements here. Uh, yeah. inches. Yes. Uh, you know, standing figure. It's really cute. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the music. And I have to talk about the music because this is a big departure from this film, from other Star Wars films. This is the first Star Wars film that John Williams did not score. Oh. Actually, uh, Chikino. Uh, Michael Cicchino, who's done many, many, many other movies that you have seen, including most recently Doctor Strange. And The Incredibles is a big one that you, you always hear his name attached to because there's a lot of band arrangements and all that. But anyway, it's a great score. Uh, did you... Okay, so your reaction, BJ, means you didn't even notice it. Or you probably like... Well, uh, no, I noticed it. Okay. What um, did you notice about it, though? Like, none of, none of the... Tradi- like... I barely heard any of the traditional cues, cues that you used to, yeah. That that you expect to hear from a Star Wars movie, and right. I felt like that was I actually felt like that was a very good thing mm-hmm. because if you if you score some I mean there's so many Star Wars everything. Right. Um if you score it too similarly to something that's come before it, it's going to pull you away from what you're watching and it's going to send you back to like, oh, the first time Luke met Leia. Like it's it's gonna pull you away from what's currently happening. Yeah, and it, it like it got close, and then it would just kind of go back so, to its own thing. So I like to relate this to the Uncanny Valley thing again because mm-hmm. it's the Uncanny Valley of scoring a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. If you go too far down that rabbit hole, which a lot of the video game properties have done, yeah. it's noticeably distracting because it's not quite that. But if you kind of do your own thing, which is what Chikino did, it also can suffer somewhat. I feel like. And I had an opposite reaction to you because I, I, I didn't. I wanted to hear more of that, especially like in the star fighting, you know, battles. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear that rebellion, you know, theme or with the Imperials coming. I wanted to hear the Imperial March or like there were certain moments where I felt like, no, this is where you drop in that theme and weave it in. What I have noticed listening to the soundtrack even more after the movie, especially with the Death Star, uh, there's a lot of scoring techniques and sort of little smaller ideas that are that make up the bigger things a good example is if you know what a timpani is it's a big kettle drum that has pitch yeah the death star in the original star wars films if anytime the damn death star is around you hear fucking timpani all over the place um and that is in the jacchino score if you go back and watch or listen you'll see the you'll hear the uh, timpani uh, the timpani theme or timpani motives of the the thing. There's another thing, and I don't remember how to describe this very well. It's not an instrument, but sort of a intervolic kind of thing that they do with the rebellion or with certain other things, and that's very Star Wars as well. So, like Giacchino took those little ideas mm-hmm. and made his own thing. Oh, hey, hey, hey! What about what about the another non-Star Wars thing that happened in the film? There was no scrolling text. There you go. Yeah, that's another departure from the Star Wars sort of. Strad- and no, strad- no huge orchestral score to go behind it. You're right, yeah. absolutely, and and again, that's by intent. They don't want so Lucasfilm has talked about this. There are the chapter movies mm-hmm. they call them, which are the main movies, and there are these sort of anthology movies, and they want them to be complementary but not the same and not confused for those. So it's it's a weird relationship because mm-hmm. really this is like a prequel to a direct prequel to the fourth chapter. So, you know, I, I don't know. Some people loved it, I think. I've talked to people who really like the score, BJ beside yourself. And, I, and I'm sort of in the middle where I'm like, Jaquina is a great composer. I really like what he does. So I, I'm kind of going back and giving it another chance. But in the moment, there were moments I just wanted that theme. I just needed to have that anchor point <laughs> because that would just like, like I think you were saying, it kind of re- brings you back to those previous moments in those other films and but really I, makes that point. You know, But I feel like that's the whole thing is like you're not – it, it, it all, I don't know. It almost feels slightly manipulative. Oh, scoring is completely manipulative. Like, but it feels like you want that. You want to hear that. You want to see that scrolling text. You want to hear, you know, everything you heard when you watch Force Awakens or you know, A New Hope, all that. But you didn't with this movie. But guess what? In one year, you'll get to hear it again well, in yes. the next movie. So, so this reminded me of a thing I posted. We posted on Flame on. Uh, it's Star Wars. It's uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it's the uh, Imperial shuttle, and the door opens, and there's an Imperial guard uh, officer standing there, and Vader's coming out. Uh oh, we've been shot at. Fireworks, sneers. 
Um, Happy New Year, everybody. This is actually the first fireworks I've heard in our house. Uh, they went till 3 a.m. Oh, of course door. they did. Uh, so if you go on Flame on Facebook, which we have a pretty active, I know BJ, myself, Pat, Oral sometimes, Jared sometimes, never. Uh, <laughs> like We post stuff all the time. So if you like our stuff, go to Flame on Show on Facebook. But there is a rescoring of that scene <laughs> with Tears for Fears, Head Over Heels. <laughs> and it's amazing how different the mood is when you're hearing that and watching the characters' reactions. That's how powerful music is, Brian. You should know that. I, of course I do. As a musician, that's like, you know, we totally get that. But I mean, to the point of, you know, do you want to have those <laughs> motives in there broadcast, like beating you over the head with a certain idea? In some place, I think that is still necessary. So I think that's the only thing I would have maybe done differently. But from what I heard, so this movie had a lot of production issues. They reshot, someone said they reshot up to like 50% of the movie in the last year to kind of course correct and make some changes. And then supposedly Jakina only had like 30 days to score the film, which um, is pretty short, not completely out there, but it's, it's a pretty short turnaround time for a lot of those kind of projects. So Yeah, and they did, um, also they apparently used some unused footage from A New Hope. That was really cool. Yeah, and for I think Red Leader and Gold Leader. I think I knew that going in because I had seen something. I, I don't remember if I... I didn't know that at all. That was a nice surprise. I think... And, and they blended it so well with other cutaways. That again, that last third was just so strong because you got this space battle in the outer sort of planet thing, and they had a planet shield, so you got that sort of thing from like Return of the Jedi. And you got to yep. take the shield out, and you got the stuff on going on the ground where they're trying to, you know, figure out how to broadcast the plans and get the plans, and and then you had a sort of an Admiral Akbar character who wasn't Admiral Akbar himself but in that same uh, Mon Calamari race and he had that awesome thing where he was in that the control ship and he'd be looking down at the planet and like oh, yeah. in his little swivel chair and making tactical decisions like all of that scratched every itch I ever have about like those Star Wars space battles so even though they didn't have any of the Jedi hijinks as much that was totally there and U-Wing was a new ship that they introduced it was pretty awesome yep uh, that you saw all the classic A-Wing, X-Wing, TIE Fighters, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I think, again, I feel like I was happy. I want to see it again. I feel like I'd probably enjoy it more the second time, um, you know, because a lot of that initial sort of, I don't know what to expect is gone. You can just sort of enjoy it. Um, and I like you said, we're going to get another Star Wars film here in less than a year now. Uh, should we, should have a we should have a teaser coming up here in the next, like, three months. Yeah, which is now we have to, of course, acknowledge sort of the elephant in the room about that. I mean, we've talked about Princess Leia and sort of the CG thing. Of course, we're recording this after Carrie Fisher has passed away from a massive and unexpected heart attack uh, on a flight coming back from London. Which God is someone who has to fly a lot. I I'm, that, and that freaks me out. Well, a bit. It, well, and here's the uh. thing: is that she was, I believe, she was coming back from. Her, the, she filmed everything for eight. So she wasn't coming back from that. Oh, she was okay. coming back from doing a cameo on a show that I can't remember the uh, name of. But nevertheless, like film. she had finished filming episode eight. So, of course, you know, what's going to happen with that? How are they going to handle episode nine? Are they going to have to do reshoots? Are they going to have to do anything to try to deal with the fact they don't have an actor for now for, for, for general Organa? Uh, that's a whole other thing that we, we just don't know at this point. Uh, but it is very tragic, and it is very sad, especially because her mother freaking passed away the next day, uh, Debbie Fisher. I mean, that was just like the one-two fucking kicks in, kicks in the nuts right. at the end of 2016. But, uh, good you thoughts, know. Good thoughts to her, her daughter and her Oh, Billy family. Ward, who I didn't realize was her daughter. I totally and, – and that's probably a good thing because, you know, obviously she has her father's name. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, she's like think of Scream Queens, mm -hmm. I believe. Yep. Which uh, now I need to go watch. Uh, and, and the poor dog, Gary, the service animal for mm, Carrie, oh yeah, yeah, little yeah. Frenchie oh. that, uh, oh, my God, that one picture is heartbreaking. Yeah, that Twitter. Yeah. Oh, and he's, yeah, he's, Gary's got his own Twitter, of course, that I think uh, his, his handlers are, well, now Billy, who's ended up with her, yeah. uh, him, uh, gets to run. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those bittersweet moments, and I've actually heard some on NPR. They were talking about seeing Rogue One and then right away finding out about Carrie Fisher and this whole sort of kind of odd age that we're in now with not only uh, Cushing, Peter Cushing, who played Tarkin, but now yeah. Carrie Fisher, who even though they made the CG thing while she was still alive, they didn't use her at all. It was not her body image. No. I mean, it was her image, but that was it. No, not her voice, not anything else. Uh, so we're in kind of a weird age with movies that you can just sort of 
with the permission of uh, their families. Uh, well, that's the power of movies. We can do magic. We can totally do magic, and uh, we can bring people back to life. It's yeah. kind of remarkable. So, um, any final thoughts about yes. Rogue One? Yeah. Uh, Riz Ahmed's really hot. Oh yeah. As a pilot. Pilot guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. Oh, did, right. did you have any issues with him recovering so quickly? Yeah. From being yeah, mind. I, I, I thought that was just a little blended. Okay. Ne- necessary for the story. Okay. It was weird. I I had I had a problem because I was like, wait, I thought this because when they were when up. they were in the jail, he was like all vegetative state almost, and then all of a sudden he was completely with it and. Could have been the sure. Force. Yeah, the Force heals all. I am the fo- I am with the Force. The Force I is with am me. One with the Force. The Force is with me. Thank you. Yep. Um. Yeah. No. I don't know. It was a weird character. Krennic. I didn't like him. Ben Mendelsohn. Seen him some other stuff. I kind of liked him in, in in other things, but I didn't love him in this. Yeah. yeah. I've I've had too much of Mads Mikkelsen. You know, twice in a year. That's too much for that's me. That's too much Mads. <laughs> have you watched him? No. no. Oh. Well, you you probably should hold off. But. At some point, I just don't like looking at him. Really? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> his his jaw reminds me of um, uh, Robert Zadar, but Robert Zadar has cherubism. Okay. So it's like a really like pronounced, pronounced, exaggerated chin. It's just okay. Like, that's just really gross to me. Huh. He always looks like he's throwing shade at n- no matter who he's looking at. Yeah. Like, always. Like, just no doubt in my mind that he is... Which is why Hannibal is the perfect character, because even is, though he yeah. basically will kill you and eat you, like, a lot of the things he kind of says, is they're very, like, critical and Sizing biting. And yeah, yeah. So I would say eventually you should watch Hannibal, though, because it is a glorious, Fantastic. beautiful... Okay. From an art design perspective, I think you'll really enjoy that. Okay. Cinematography. Style. Yeah, cinematography, but the... um Yeah. If you don't like Mads right now... I wouldn't start on that right yet. That's <laughs> okay. I never liked Benedict Cumberbatch either. <gasps> Heresy tonight. Uh, we're so we're filming this on New Year's Day, and tonight the new Sherlock airs on Masterpiece Theater. The uh, Six Thatchers, I think. Making a circular motion with one finger. <sighs> so sad. I love it. Uh, so yeah, Rogue One uh, was great. I think we all overall liked it, even though there were some issues. Um, so you guys should go check it out if it's still in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our normal thing is we're gonna do we do movie music TV video game, all kinds of comic book reviews. If you haven't heard our show before, of course, stick around. Our next episode will be one of those. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, as I mentioned, Flame On Show. Flame On Podcast on Twitter. Uh, That's sort of the oddball. But usually we're Flame On Show on pretty much everything else. Uh, We love hearing from our fans. If you like this episode, we really would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. That tends to be a nice place. Uh, Or anywhere else that you want to share our show with people. We definitely rely on the kindness of strangers to uh, get the word out about us. And we've had some really awesome fans uh, support over the years from Patreon and uh, direct donations like our friend Ron mm-hmm. tends to love to do all the damn time. Hi, Ron. He's, uh, he's, our, he's our perennial every, every now and again. He just Stalker. throws money at us. It's kind of like we're strippers. And he's a big tipper. He's I feel like oh, he's Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of how that relationship Tip, is. Tipping us because we're trying so hard. I think so. Although he really wants us to do Steven Universe soon, so we have to. We need to. Yeah, we need to figure that uh, out. Some some of us need to get up on that. I have so a B team ready to go for that. I you did say that's right. Well, we'll work on that. So all this stuff is coming in the new year. Uh, but again, uh, Flame on Show on Facebook. We love to hear from you guys. Please leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the episode, and uh, we'll be back uh, in two weeks. So on that note, Flame Off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. Who the hell is using Google Play? Never mind. Flame On was created by Brian Pittard and is recorded, edited, and produced by Pat O'Rourke. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding through the Patreon network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorship. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Flame On on all your favorite social networks. Grinder, Scruff, I heard there's a thing called Recon. It seems scary. Follow us on 
at Flame On Podcast, because that's what I decided to call it instead of at Flame On, Twitter, and Flame On Show on Facebook, Tumblr, and all your favorite gay hookup sites. Already said that. If it's gay and geeky, we've got you covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.